Nina and I are in a never-ending battle to declutter our house. Anybody with a housemate, roommate, spouse, or kids know what I'm talking about. We are on this never-ending chore to go and find those items that are useless, that are pointless, that are meaningless, that have no purpose in the house, and discard them, right? And so here we, we go on this thing. So I'm in a routine. It's automatic. When I come home, I'm going around, I'm picking up, I'm cleaning up, putting in the recycling and garbage, then taking that outside. This is my plan. Now, there's one weakness in my plan. Her name is Renzi, and she's my third child, and Renzi will go in, and she loves to raid the recycling bin. She thinks it's her resource bin, and, and so she will go in, and it's not strange for me to come home after in the morning, I've gone through, and I've done the pickup, cleanup, the takeout, and I'll come home, and I'll see something like this. And, I, and, and, you know, you see and you're like, oh, man, what happened? You know, was it the D.C. garbage truck that they came through? And they're trying to prove a point, right? And so they just did one of those on you. Or is it that rogue animal you've seen walking and you're like, is that, a, is that a cow? No, that's a rat. No, I don't know what that is. And so they came in and had a feast. No, it's not that. Is it that passive-aggressive neighbor that went from passive to aggressive and they took it out on you finally and it all came out? No, it's none of those things. It's my little dumpster diving daughter who came through and decided she needed to find some items to use to make treasure. Okay. It drives me crazy sometimes. But I think I've got something to learn about the kingdom of God from my daughter. Maybe she's got something to teach me that when I look at this item, like this is an item that should be discarded. No, Dad. This is a creation that could be brought to life. No, hold on. This is an item that has had its chance in my house. And now it needs to go where it needs to go, right? No, Dad, this is an item that deserves a second chance that can be brought to a second life. Come on, somebody. I want to be more like my daughter. I want to be that person that can just make messes and somebody will come clean after about right? Like, okay, cynical parent, cynical parent coming out right there. I'm sorry. I do want to be, I'm going to clean this up for all those clean freaks out there. I do want to be like my daughter. I want to see creation where somebody else sees discard. I want to see life where somebody else sees ending. I'm not just talking about cardboard boxes today. Some of us, we feel messed up. We feel bruised up. We feel beat up. We feel jacked up. We feel tore up from the floor up. We feel it all. We feel it in our relationships. We feel it as a leader, as a boss, as an employee, as a spouse, as a friend. We feel it all over our lives. But I've got good news for you today. Our God, the God that we serve, he is a God of second chances. What's that make us? A people of the second chance. And it's Second Chance Sunday. I am so thankful 
that we have second chances in God, that he has given us. And I'm thankful for the second chance, for the third chance, for the fourth chance, for the 59th chance, for the 152nd chance, because he just keeps bringing us in and remolding us and making us into his creation. First Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Somebody else has given up on you. Or you have given up on you. God has not given up on you. We are a people of the second chance. And this whole book right here, this is a storybook of second chances. And all over, you read about people They're not perfect. They are imperfect. They have made mistakes. But they come and they come before a God who says, no, I can redeem you and I will redeem you. We're going to take a look at just one of the stories in this book today. And it's found in Luke chapter 19. And I want to walk through it together today. I want to pull out four points, four things that can describe us as we talk about ourselves as the people of a second chance. You can look on and read with me. We'll put it up on the screen. It's Luke chapter 19, verse one. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, Jesus didn't have to stop here. He was going to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry known as Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. We celebrate Palm Sunday today. And so Jesus was going into the masses, but before he went there, he would have a triumphal entry into one person. He pauses, he stops at this moment right before that great day. And verse 2 says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. That's all I had to say for us to know that this is a hated man right here. Because he's not just a tax collector, he is the chief tax collector. And Romans would come in, and after their conquest, then they would institute a heavy tax to the people. And so they wouldn't just come in and be the collectors, though, because they knew there would be hidden money around the city that they couldn't find. And so instead, they would hire somebody, they would recruit an insider to sell out their community because they would know where all the hidden economic success was. And they would go in then, these insiders, and they would actually be the collectors, but they would come in with the Roman strength, the Roman soldiers behind them. And this is Zacchaeus' situation. And so he would come in, and we see that collectors worked out of the practice known as tax farming. Not just charging a Roman tax, but they would make their money, they would make their their great money out of the additional tax that they would put on top for their victims. So tax collectors would get rich at the, at the expense of their own people. This is Zacchaeus' situation. Not just a tax collector, the chief tax collector. The Jewish Mishnah said that a tax collector was so loathsome, they should not even be considered a human being. So Zacchaeus is widely hated and despised. People don't even want to look at that in his own community. This is Zacchaeus' situation, verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, as a people of the second chance, it's our first point today. 
As a people of the second chance, we are people that pursue God relentlessly. It's good. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. <laughs> but he would not allow anything to stop him from getting to the presence of Christ, to getting to see Jesus. Now, normally if somebody is short, you're going to let them out to the front of the line, right? You're going to let them go up in front because you can still see over them. It's not any loss to me, but this is Zacchaeus. They know this guy, and so, no, no, we're not going to let you up front. And in fact, they probably push him to the back of the line, right? And, and here's the thing. They had mentally already discarded him. So he's not getting close. So he's got to climb up the tree, and that's exactly what he does. He climbs up this tree, and let me just say something. Let me just pause right here to take a moment at this point in the scripture. For those of us, for those of you, for those of any of us who are seeking God, there will be times where some religious people will sometimes try their best to halt you from getting to Jesus. Whether it's selfishness, self-righteousness, whether they don't like something in you, whether they don't like something in themselves, sometimes religious people will try to stop you from getting to God. Don't allow anybody. Amen to stop you Amen. from going towards Jesus. Yeah. Also, don't allow religious people to be a crutch or an excuse to stop yourself from seeking God. God. Yes. We can use those people as an excuses. Listen, at the end of the day, we're gonna come before God. We are gonna meet our maker and we are going to account for our lives. And I don't know if that excuse is gonna hold up. God, I mean... I, the reason I didn't seek you, the reason I didn't try to spread your love in this world, the reason I didn't do these things, well, I mean, there's Al, and he called himself a Christian, and I don't like the way he lived his life. God's going, who's Al? I don't even know him. We are responsible for ourselves. Don't let anybody become your crutch or excuse for not going after the God who has made you, who has plans for your life. Here's what the scripture says. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Zacchaeus, he wasn't afraid to get undignified, was he? He climbed that tree. Who climbs it? What are you doing, man? Who climbs the tree? Kids climb the tree. You know what the scripture says? Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, it says, unless we become like little children, we will not see the kingdom of God. He will do anything. He, per, he pursues God relentlessly. Number two, find a corrective identity experience. Here's what verse five says. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Jesus, he can do anything. He can see anything. He's like a celebrity at this point. He can go anywhere and be with anybody. He calls out, he chooses Zacchaeus in this scripture. And so the scripture says, so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. There's a concept in psychology called the corrective emotional experience. And it refers to an experience uh, that, uh, of negative experience, or excuse me, it refers to an experience that is a positive experience that replaces or takes place of that negative experience or bad experience that occurred earlier in life. Oftentimes, it leaves an emotional bruise, right? 
And so it could be a moment, it could be experience, it could be a relationship that then replaces something that happened earlier to corrective emotional experience. You can take this and apply it in different ways too. For instance, you had a bad breakfast this morning. We can fix that up. You go down the road here to Matchbox, get you a bistro burger, onion straws instead of the fries. You're hanging with a friend, get the apple pear salad. You do the splitsies, right? Do a little meal deal. Then you get those beignet things with the mocha sauce for dessert. You're going to have a corrective gastronomic experience. (laughs) You wore a bad outfit on Thursday. It's a rough day. Well, guess what? Next day, you can put your fancy pants on. You can put that Friday night sweater on. You can have a corrective sartorial experience. Listen, you're a Washington Commanders fan. Oh, man, there's no hope for y'all. I'm sorry. You you come to the Bears. I don't know. You guys, Lord, help them. But uh, I got nothing to say. But Zacchaeus here in the scripture, Zacchaeus has these interactions with people, some rough interactions. What are those interactions? Look, the people, he's got an identity understood as somebody who is hated, who is reviled, who is despised. People won't even look him in the eye. And Jesus comes along, and he gives a corrective identity experience. And he doesn't just call him, right? He calls him by name. Zacchaeus, the scriptures say he looks at him. He looks him in the eye. He calls him down, and he gives him a new identity in this moment. There's healing that occurs in this scripture. There's healing that occurs right here in this moment. And he calls him out. This is a bit of a scandalous moment in this culture. He invites him to to his house and and they share a meal. Now, to share a meal is to to have an intimate experience. It's have have an intimate relationship in friendship. It's a commitment, if you will, from Jesus to him. And so people are looking and they're saying, oh, man, what are you doing, Jesus? You can't do this. You're going to be called. You are a friend of sinners. And here's what happens. What people meant as a dig, Jesus takes as a value. That's exactly right. I am the friend of sinners. And he, you ever had that happen in life where somebody's trying to dig on you? They're trying to cut at you. And it could hurt, except you realize, oh, that's my calling. That's my value system. That's where God has put me. And that's what God has called me to. And there's a difference between religion and the gospel. Religion says, hey, you get your stuff right, you get clean, you get right, and then maybe you can earn your way in. The gospel says, no, you come into my presence, and in my presence, I will give you the strength to then get right, then be transformed. We think God is the reward for us getting right and transforming ourselves. No, God is the presence and the power so that we can be transformed and live with a renewed mindset in all of life. So we come before God and we find change in the presence of the Almighty. Pursue God relentlessly. Find a corrective identity experience. Number three, trust God to redeem. Verse seven, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times 
the amount. This is a crazy turn of events right here. This is the guy who has sought money his whole life. He has sold out his family. He has sold out his people. All for the gain of riches and of money. And something happens here where his life pursuit, he just throws out the window. He says, Jesus, here's what's happening. I'm giving away half of my possessions, he declares. Anybody who I cheated, I'm going to pay back times four. And this isn't Levitical law. Levitical law says you, you should pay back up to 20% those that you have cheated. So he says, I'm going to double that right there. I got this. In fact, Scripture only says one time that you should pay back up to four times, and that's when you steal somebody's cow because that would put you in utter financial disrepair. <laughs> Sorry. Just a moment there for you. Okay. Thank you. So he steps out. It wasn't Levitical law. Did you notice this? Jesus didn't even tell him to do that. This wasn't him responding in obedience. This was something happened in him. He was so compelled in his spirit. Why? Because he was in the presence of Jesus. He had a confrontation with Christ. The true presence of God, it changes the heart. There is a supernatural response of a manifestation in the natural. When Jesus shows up, when we get in his presence, it leads us to repentance. It draws us to make things right, doesn't it? His presence changes us. And the world tries to bring change by canceling. We cancel those that we have disagreements with, those that we don't like, those that we don't have preference. And we cancel to bring about change, but Jesus does the opposite. He goes and he sits with the marginalized. He sits with the people who are canceled. And he gives kindness in these moments. He lives a real-time restorative justice. And the man that was willing to sell his soul for riches, he turns it out. And in a moment, he declares that he will make all those things right. And he lays it out on the line. And in a moment, something happens. When he served his whole life towards money, he broke three free from his addiction, didn't he? He was in bondage to money, and he found freedom and liberty in this moment. Have you ever met a woman who has found liberty? Have you ever met a man who has found freedom from oppression? This house is full of those people, praise God. We are a people of the second chance. We have one individual here named Tyrone. And he has overcome his past. He's got a story to tell. He's got a testimony to share. And God bless him today. Today, he's decided to share that testimony with us. Check this out. The word second chance means um, another opportunity to do things a better way, a different way. One of the things that scripture has taught me is about transformation. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 12, 1, talks about to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what the Word of God has done for me. It was in the military in Germany where I was first introduced to drugs. 
Um, I became addicted. I got involved with other people who were also drug addicts. And we also got involved in a robbery in which someone passed away. I received a life sentence. It was then in prison where God opened my eyes. I, I heard God say to me, you're in this situation because of your lifestyle. You need a new lifestyle. And I didn't have a clue to what he was saying. Eventually I received a Bible. And as I'm reading the Bible, not knowing what I'm reading, I ran across the book of James. It was talking about um, living a worldly life, that you don't have the things you want, so you murder, you lie, you cheat. And I knew, I felt God was talking to me, that God was speaking right to me. It was like, it was a revelation that God was saying, this is what you need. This is a change of lifestyle that I've been talking about. This is what's going to uh, give you the love, the joy, and the peace that you thought you were going to have in the world. God opened my eyes to truth. God opened my eyes to another world, uh, his world, a world of faith and love and hope, a world um, of doing things a different way from a spiritual perspective. And it's through that that he brought me through 31 years of incarceration. He kept me in that, and he opened the door for me. So I can't change my past. I don't, I, you know, there's nothing I could do about my past, but I could live now. I could live now for Jesus Christ. I want to share my story for those who are incarcerated to never give up and to know I don't care what your situation is. I had life plus 20 years. God opened those doors. There's nothing too hard for God. I want to share my story for those who have been released that you can make it. God didn't bring you this far for nothing. You can make it. I want to share my story for those who are watching me right now who've never been incarcerated. You've never committed a crime, but you're dealing with divorce, abortion. You're dealing with uh, domestic abuse. You're dealing with substance abuse. You're dealing with unemployment, underemployment. You're dealing with the pressures of life, and you're wondering, can, you, can I get through this? And I'm telling you, you can get through it because God brought me through. He didn't bring me through because I had it all together. He brought me through because of his son, Jesus Christ. And he will bring you through. You just have to trust him. Just like I trusted him for 31 years, trust him, believe in him, lean on him, cry out to him. No matter what you're going through, no matter how painful it is, believe me, God can bring I can't tell you when he'll do it, but I know he is able. You have to lean into him and trust him. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Praise you, Lord, for your work. He is able. Do you know that? He is able. Tyrone is redeemed. Tyrone is a part of this congregation. And, you know, there's a difference between being recycled and redeemed. Recycling is good, but there's a portion in recycling that is not used that goes to waste. Redemption takes everything. It takes all your past. Maybe that you're not proud of. Maybe that wasn't good at the time, but God somehow goes back and he takes all of that and he uses it for his purposes and for his glory. That Tyrone was discarded, but God was not done with him. God has a purpose for a And here's the thing. 
Uh, Tyrone now is going through Alpha at NCC, Foundations of Faith, right? Asking questions and exploring faith. He's going through that, and here's the plan. He's going to then start Alpha at Redeemer's House, which is with which our church actually helped start Redeemer's House and build it through another church. Another, it's another church's ministry, and we invested in that as well. And Redeemer's House is, is a house for those who are coming out of incarcerated, returner, returning citizens to help them integrate back into society. So he's going through it now. He's going to start. It's going to be the first alpha for returning citizens in the U.S. How about that? That's not just reset. That's redemption. God is using to redeem. He's using his life to help those find a second chance. Did you know that one in three Americans have been incarcerated at some point in their life? 90% of returning citizens that come out have really difficult time finding employment. 9% of returning citizens can't find stable housing. To go through all these statistics, and I'm just so blessed that we have a number of returning citizens that are a part of this congregation. Can I just say how how much joy that gives us? And we just open up our arms to you, and we say, thank God for you. You are welcome as a part of this family. Now, if you're here today, that's okay. Go ahead. And if you're here today and that's you and you're struggling, or maybe you have a family member that is struggling, or maybe you want to serve to be a part of helping those in in different places and conditions, uh, after service in the lobby today, uh, we've got a table back here in our Love Justice Ministry who so graciously and powerfully leans into this space, as well as Prison Fellowship, who for 40 plus years has been engaged in this conversation. Um, We've got some key people back here and encourage as many people as can to go and and flood that area and, and both gain access as well as find ways to serve those in these conditions. I love what Tyrone said, though. Did you catch that at the end? He addressed all of us, didn't he? Tyrone is somebody who has climbed the tree, hasn't he? And he has looked at Jesus. He has looked into his eyes, and he is a changed, transformed individual. And he encouraged all of us in the house, in your pain and difficulty, lean in. Trust in God. Put your faith in God, and he will be faithful in your life. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Jesus declares salvation for Zacchaeus because he has left his idols in the past and he has declared Jesus as Lord over his life. The gospel does what a sermon cannot. It transforms us. I pray you're encouraged today by this sermon. I pray that. But you know what? It's not, there's not power in this term. There is power in the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus changes us from the inside out. He makes us new. Zacchaeus climbed a tree because he was shunned. He was put out. So he went up high. And what did Jesus say? Come on down here. Get down from there. And what did Jesus then do? Jesus soon after climbed up the tree. He went in that position. You know what? 
Jews believed that those that would die on a tree were cursed. So what did Jesus do? He pulled down Zacchaeus from a place of being cursed and set aside. He pulled him down to be reconciled, to find fellowship within community. And then Jesus, from his place of acceptance and love, he walked out of that and he climbed up the tree to a place where he was cursed, where he was shunned, and he traded places. This is bigger than Zacchaeus. This is the invitation that he gives to every single one of us to trade places with him. We see it in the book of Isaiah chapter 51. Jesus drank the cup of wrath so that we could drink the cup of salvation. He gives an invitation to you and I today. And it's an invitation of grace. It's an invitation of goodness an invitation of love because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, yet Jesus came. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. We praise you, God. Though he knew no sin, he became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. So come on down from that tree. Come on down from that place of curse, from that place of addiction. Come on down from that place of sin. Come on down from a place where you feel shunned or shy and come on and receive his love and acceptance. Receive the gift of God that only comes through Christ. Trust God to redeem. We trust you today, Lord. And number four, lastly, give God creative control. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be in the wrong place, right? It means to be away from the place that you are intended to be. Jesus wants to restore us to our place. In Ketiora, Paraguay, you'll find a slum that is built on top of a landfill. And there's a family that lives in that slum that began collecting garbage and making instruments out of that garbage. And so they would find forks and spoons and knives and oil drums and all these different things of, of garbage, and they would take those and they started to make instruments out of them, right? And so these instruments represented something, though. They represented hope, and so they would give them to children, and children started to learn music because of this practice that they had. They would find things that had lost their worth. They would pick them up, and now they would be used for a greater purpose. Out of the trash heap, they started an orchestra. And that orchestra, it travels around the world. They've traveled to different countries. They've played for European royalty. They've experienced incredible experiences together. In fact, there's a documentary that some of you might have seen called Landfill Harmonic. For just a couple seconds, I'm gonna pause and just listen to some of the audio that comes from a cello that was made from a disposed oil drum. Check this out. The oil, or excuse me, the orchestra director is a former environmental technician and a former church choir director. Jesus. Now leads this thing and 
incredible guy, a guy named Fabio Chavez, and he made a simple declaration of their purpose. He said this, the world sends us garbage and we send back music. This right here in my hand, this is discard. When it gets in Renzi's hand, it becomes a creation to be brought to life. In her hand, because of how she thinks of it and because of the way that she makes it and molds it, it will become something new, something useful, something purposeful. Here we are as, as we are today. But when we put ourselves in the hands of God, he begins to remake us and mold us and give us purpose and plans for us. We're going to lean into Christ today. If you're here today and you just feel like, man, I feel discarded, I feel unused, I feel purposeless. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've never put a faith in Christ. Or maybe you have had a relationship, but you've, you've drawn back from God. Or maybe you're just a place of stagnancy. Can I just challenge you today? Can I give a bold declaration of your life? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now lean in and trust him and put yourselves in his hands. The hands of the creator desires to be a creator for you and in you. Put your faith in him.